Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We give a lot of value and a lot of attention to uh, feeding our flesh and feeding our bodies, but we need to give just as much value and um, uh, re- in, into receiving God's word into our spirit. Amen. That's what keeps our spirit man alive. That's what keeps our spirit man strong. If you go a few days without eating, you know, you start feeling a little weak. Start feeling like you don't have enough strength to tank on, uh, you know, everything that uh, comes, that everything that's necessary just to live, just to do our daily lives. And so it's the same thing with our spirit, man. If you're malnourished, if you haven't been getting the nutrients and the, the power and the strengthening from God's word, uh, then your spirit man begins to get weak. But we all know that we're not just here uh, in the flesh. We know that there's something even more real than what we see, even more real than what we uh, live around on a daily basis. There's a spirit realm that requires our spirit man to be strong. And so we need to give attention to feeding on God's word. In Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 5, it says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? We need to think like Jesus is what he's saying here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It's saying that Jesus, when he was here on the earth, even though he was just like God in the likeness of God, he didn't consider it a a robbery to be equal with God. He knew, I have all the power that God has. I have everything in me that my Father has. I've been made in His image. I've been made in His likeness. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and God made man in His image, in His likeness? But let's keep going here because, you know, sometimes we think of Jesus and we think that he walked around different than everybody else did. You know, sometimes we read these verses and we know he's the son of God. And, you know, we've all heard the Christmas story. We're getting ready to get into that season here of Christmas and, you know, focusing on Jesus's birth and why Jesus came and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes we think that the 33 years that he lived and dwelled on this planet, he looked a little different than everybody else. But I want to show you that Jesus didn't really look different He just acted different. You know, you can look the same as everybody else, but act differently than everybody else, respond differently than everybody else. And so as we keep going here in verse 7, even though he was equal with God, verse 7 says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So even though on the inside he had the likeness of God, On the outside, he had the appearance of man, okay? Looked just like you and I. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus, being God, comes in the form of man, makes himself of no reputation. The Bible says that he humbles himself. The Bible says that he came in the appearance as a man, that he looked just like you and I. He stripped himself of everything that was glorious, everything that was honorable, and he became like one of, like just you and I, like one of us. 
partly of the reason why he was killed, because they were looking for the Messiah, the king of kings, that to actually look like a king. Right? They were looking for somebody different. They weren't looking for a baby that was born in a manger because his parents couldn't even find anywhere to live or to stay while they were traveling. I mean, they're looking for someone to be born in a palace, someone that when he's born, everybody knows about it. But here he is in a town where they can't even find room for them in the inn, and he's born in a manger. Lived a life just like you and I. Worked a job just like you and I. He was the carpenter's son and helped his dad in the family business. Just one of us. Yet contained all the power, all the glory, and everything that was deserving of honor. Made himself of no reputation. But here's what I want to show you. And this is kind of what I want to get into for the next few weeks building up to Christmas. A lot of us know about Jesus, and I I say that statement loosely because he's really the most misunderstood man that's ever walked the face of the earth. They're still trying to figure Jesus out. But most of us know about Jesus and know he's the son of God and know that he came and he died on the cross for our sins, and if we believe in him, we'll receive eternal life, one day go to heaven, Uh, You know, some of us know that while he was here, he operated in power and authority, and he talked about a kingdom. We know a lot about the man. But what I want to show you today is the man has a name. The man has a name. Look at verse 9. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. And what? given him the name which is above every name. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The man that we talk about has a name, the name of Jesus. And there is power in that name. That name has been given for a reason. That name is to be associated with glory and honor. The man that stripped himself, made himself of no reputation, made himself uh, uh, of of no honor, uh, uh, humbled himself even to the point of death. Verse 9 tells us that he has now been highly exalted. The man that stripped himself and made him like you and I, the lowliest of lows, is now exalted, highly exalted. That means has been exalted to the highest form of honor, the highest form of glory. You know, there is nobody that receives more honor than Jesus. There's nobody that deserves more glory than Jesus. There's nobody that's more powerful than Jesus. You know, we talk about Jesus a lot. And I can ask anybody, does Jesus have power? Yes. Does Jesus have authority? Yes. But the Jesus that walked the face of the earth for 33 years didn't look any different than you and I. 
So the question I want to raise today is, what did he have that made him different if he looked just like you and I? And could we potentially possess the same thing? Could we potentially have the ability to walk around on the face of this earth just like Jesus did? Because we know that Jesus acted different than everybody else. Amen? It says in, in the book of Mark, when he started to get up and preach in the synagogue, just like anybody else would, that they said, this man's words have more power and authority. That he's speaking with power, and there's a boldness about him. None of the scribes, none of the teachers, none of the Pharisees and Sadducees talk like this guy. This guy sounds completely different. When he's reading these things, he, he reads like he really believes it. He reads these scriptures with power and with authority. Yet on the outside, he looked no different. On the outside, they saw someone that was worthy of death. But on the inside, he contained something. He contained power. He contained authority. Demons would fall at his feet and beg him not to cast them out. Storms would cease the second he spoke to it and said, peace, be still. Fig trees would wither up and die at the second that he curses it. There's something different about this man, yet on the outside he doesn't look any different. He has stripped himself of everything that makes him of any sort of reputation, any type of honor, any type of glory, but yet there's still something coming out of him. Now, we know that Jesus has risen to power. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 1. One book over. Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? I mean, when his power is spoken of, it's not just saying, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of power there. Exceeding greatness of his power unstoppable, immovable, unshakable power. Nothing can conquer his power. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Where is Jesus seated at today? at the right hand of the Father, in heavenly places. A position of honor, a position of glory, a position of power. There's no denying it. Keep going. Far above. I mean, not just like on the, not the next floor up. <laughs> not, oh yeah, you can get him, he's the next floor up. Just take the elevator, uh, next floor up, he's right there, room 301. No, far above all principality and power, and might, and dominion. Yes, there are other powers. Yes, there are other mights. Yes, there are other dominions. We see them operating in the world today. But Jesus' power is far above that. And every name that is named, not only in this age, Paul's saying not only when I'm writing it, but also when you're reading it. <laughs> Not just when I'm writing it, 
but also when you read it. No matter when you read it, his power is still powerful. His power is still great. His, his power is still mightier than any other power and dominion out there. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church. You want to be a part of the church because the head of the church contains all power. The head of the church has all authority. The head of the church is far above. If you want to get a part of far above, you need to be a part of his church. Amen? Which is his body. The church is his body. The church is his body. We are the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's no denying the power of Jesus. There's no denying the power that the man, Jesus, had when he was on this planet. Look the same. Lived the same. Ate food just like you and I. Hung out with people just like you and I. Traveled just like you and I. But his words were different. His actions were different. His responses were different. In times where people would have ran in fear, he responded differently. In times where his disciples were out on that same boat, worried about their lives, asking Jesus, aren't you afraid we're going to die? He said, nope, I respond differently than you. I look like you, but I respond differently than you. Peace be still. The power of Jesus. None of us deny the power of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for his power. I'm thankful that he came to this earth to save me when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, when I had nowhere else to go, nothing that could redeem me, nothing that could make me better, no matter how hard I tried, I needed Jesus. But the thing I want to show you today is the man has a name. The man has a name that is above every name. The man has a name, a name that when it is mentioned, every knee will bow. A name that conquers all, a name that defeats all, a name that is associated with the man. And here's the exciting part. We get to use the name. When you use the name of of Jesus, Jesus shows up. When you use the name of Jesus, Jesus shows up. See, we are the body of Christ. We just saw that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. So if, we're, if we are his body, then we can't disassociate ourselves from Jesus. We are the body of Christ in the earth. We are Jesus's 
representation. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his voice. Jesus isn't doing anything in the earth today without using his body. In fact, he can't. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul wrote the dissertation on the body of Christ, said the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Well, guess what? Jesus can't say to you, I don't need you. Do you realize that? Do you realize that Jesus needs us in the earth today? All-powerful, mighty, Son of God, deserving and worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, needs you. He has attached himself to his church in such a way that if they ever become detached, one becomes less powerful without the other. Disconnected. And so we are the body of Christ in the earth today. But we are missing a key to what allows us to operate in the power and the authority that Jesus has given us. Look at John chapter 14. Look at John chapter 14. Hallelujah. John chapter 14. And verse 12. We're just going to do an intro today. This is where I want to go to build up to Christmas. We talk a lot about Jesus' Christmas. And rightfully so. I mean, we're celebrating his birthday. But what we have to understand is that Jesus is not in the earth today like he was. I've heard people say, man, I wish Jesus was here. Things would be so much better. How many of you believe so, things would be so much better if Jesus was here? Now, you, it would be better if he lived with you, if you rented him a space in your house, right? For Jesus to do what he did in the earth, he had to be physically present. He had to be present. Man, I just, I just wish Jesus would come back. No, you don't. No, you don't. So much better if Jesus was here. No. And you and I wouldn't have the power and the authority that we have. Because you are Jesus in the earth. But we've been missing the key. The resource. Where do we get this power? Where do we get this authority? We talk about the man, but we need to associate the man with his name and realize if you want Jesus on the scene, put his name on the scene. Look what John 14, 12 says. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, what is the qualifier in this verse? What qualifies you to do the same works that Jesus did? Believe. He who believes. Not he who that I have specifically chosen. Not he who uh, uh, I have especially anointed above others. He who believes. In what? Me. The works that I do. Did Jesus do some works? Did he do some works on the earth? Did he do some powerful works? Did he do some exceedingly great works? The works that I do, 
he will do also. He who? He who believes. And greater works than these he will do. Why? Because I go to my father. Because Jesus has gone to his father and is now in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, we can do the works that he did and even greater works. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in whose name? Capital M, my name in Jesus' name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The greatest way that you can glorify God in the earth today is do what he's asking you to do. That's how the Father gets glory. The Father may be glorified in the Son. In the Son. In the Son, Jesus. The Father gets glory when the church is doing the works of God. The Father gets glory. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. In my name, I will do it. That's how powerful the name is. If you ask anything without using the name, God is not obligated to answer. God is not obligated to move until you use the name that contains all the power and all the glory. When you use the name, you move God. In the name of Jesus. That's not just the little phrase that you throw on at the end of a prayer. That is what, that's what supplies the prayer with all the power necessary to make it happen. You believe it for healing? In the name of Jesus. When you use the name of Jesus... You have just supplied your prayer with healing. When you use the name of Jesus, you are bringing a resource of power to whatever you're asking for. And we have the promise from Jesus himself, who is a man that cannot lie. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's a pretty good promise. That's a pretty good promise, amen? Knowing that if I use the name of Jesus, regardless of the situation, he's not putting any exceptions. There's no tiny little black print at the bottom of this agreement. He's saying, if you use my name, I will answer the call that you bring to me. In the name of Jesus. Remember, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Sometimes I just like bringing up things just for the sake of having a conversation. I told him one time, I said, you know, you know, it's wrong to pray to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got the same response. He said, what? Can't pray to Jesus? 
said, yeah. Jesus said to ask my father in my name. You pray to God in the name of Jesus, using Jesus' name. When you use the name of Jesus, that is what brings the power and the resource to make whatever you're praying for possible. Jesus shows up on the scene. You know, you've heard me say this before. Jesus never prayed for people. Jesus never prayed for someone to be healed. He didn't call up a, a, a healing line like you see today and, and you know, lay hands on people and, and pray over them. And, dear God, I, I ask you to heal this young boy of this sickness. He didn't pray about situations. He didn't pray about problems. What did he do? Commanded them. Spoke to them. You realize that we have the same authority and same power to speak to and command problems to go somewhere. I command finances to come into my life. I command healing to come into my life. Do you realize angels work for you? We're getting off a little bit, but you just got to understand. You got to put it in perspective. Angels work for you. They are standing by at attention, waiting for you to command them to do something for you. It is the angel's job to bring to you whatever you need. You remember when Jesus was out 40 days being tempted of the devil? And, you know, we saw the three temptations, but there were way more than that. And Jesus used the word of God every time. And then at the end, when Satan finally left and finally got wore out and tired from getting beat up by Jesus so badly, it says that angels came and ministered unto him. I pray that a lot of times. Father, I, I, I send ministering angels to them right now. Because angels carry healing. Angels carry peace. Angels carry safety and protection. How many situations have we been in where we were this close to death? And we don't know why, and we don't know how, but we lived. We made it through. There's, there's no way we could ever know. Because there's angels working on our behalf. And we can command them and direct them by the word of God. You know that you can command Satan. You can command Satan and any power that comes against you to leave, to go, to get rid of, to quit. By using the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, this sickness must go. And then in the name of Jesus, I am a child of the king. 
and you have no right and you have no authority in this body. You have no right or authority in this home. You have no right or authority in this family. You have no right or authority in this bank account. You have no right or no. So I cast you out. You must go in the name of Jesus. And guess what Jesus just did? Somebody call me. Somebody say my name. Jesus just showed up. Jesus just showed up. We need to learn to get Jesus to show up in our situations. No, I can't do it by myself. No, I'm not uh, uh, able to on my own. And just like Jesus did, I have to do. Strip myself of all reputation. But there's a power that's still working. I may look like anybody else. I, me and this person, both of us, we lost our jobs. They called it quits. They said, you're done. But this one's working, operating in turmoil, and this one's in peace because there's something different on the inside of me. Because in the name of Jesus, I have called all of my resources to be supplied according to the riches of my king, his riches in glory. And there can be 10 of you lined up and none of them in anxiety and fear. And I'll be the only one. You know, righteousness will stand all by itself. Righteousness doesn't need... You come with me? Righteousness. Noah stood all by himself. Abraham stood all by himself. David stood all by himself. Paul stood all by himself. Jesus stood all by himself. Doesn't need a counterpart. Doesn't need a sidekick. Doesn't need anyone to move with them. Righteousness will move. Because there's somebody on the inside of you. There's somebody working inside of you. I may look just like you. We may talk the same, live the same, act the same. But on the inside of me, there is a power. And when I say the name of Jesus, that power shows up. We've got to get associated with the name of Jesus. And we've got to learn how to use the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is our resource to enacting God's power through us. It's there for, to be used. And most of us don't use it. You know, I heard someone say once, you know, there might be people that believe in other gods and believe, there might even be atheists, but if they're all on a plane that's getting ready to crash, everybody's crying out, Jesus, because they know. One day at that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus, is Lord. Amen. We need to learn how to use and appropriate the name of Jesus. I know that Jesus has power. I'm thankful that Jesus is worthy of honor and worthy of praise. I'm thankful that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm thankful that he came to this earth, stripped himself of all of heaven, became like man, looked like man, but acted and responded differently so that he could go to the cross, was obedient even to the point of death, saved me, but then transferred that power and that authority to me in the form of his name.
And yet, if I don't use it, I don't get the access to the power. If I don't use the name of Jesus. This month, I want to look at the name. When you can understand the name, you'll better understand the man. When we can understand how to use the name, what is his name all about? Why is it so powerful? You know, he's got all kinds of names. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, we hear a lot of these words. They pop up around this time of year. Emmanuel, God is with us. But the name Jesus, the name of Jesus will drive out all hell. The name of Jesus will bring light into a dark situation. The name of Jesus will turn lack into too much. The name of Jesus will turn sickness into health. The name of Jesus restores. The name of Jesus brings life. The name of Jesus contains all the power that we need. I want to get associated with the name. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today for this name, Father. Father, open up our eyes, open up our ears. We want to have ears to hear. We want to have eyes to see. Every subject that is in your Bible, no matter how small, no matter how great, requires a supply of understanding and wisdom by your Holy Spirit. We can't understand it on our own. We can't grasp it on our own. We, it, it, it cannot be naturally discerned, the Bible says. So this morning, Father, we call on your Holy Spirit to open our minds, open our hearts, because we want to know the power of the name of Jesus. 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 Just say that softly to yourself. Jesus. 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 Father, we call on you today in your son's name, the name that is above every name, above every principality, every power, Anytime we look at a stronghold that's coming against us, we'll look at the power that we have that's greater. No matter how mighty it may seem, no matter how strong, no matter how hard it may seem, it's pushing on us. We will remind ourselves that we have a power that is greater. We have a power that's not only going to get us through, but it's going to get us over. That conquers all. The name of Jesus because your son is seated at the right hand of the father before we call the name of a medicine before we call on the name of a bank account before we call on the name of a friend we will call on the name of Jesus father we love you this morning as we go into these weeks leading up to Christmas. May we have a heart this year 
to truly discern not just the man, but the name that's associated with the man. We're thankful for your son. We thank you for all that he's done for us and what you supplied to us by sending him here. But Father, we're thankful that you've given us that name. You said that if we asked anything in your name, it would be done. So open our eyes this month. Open our eyes in these next few weeks to understand that the man has a name. We love you and we thank you for all that you have done, for all that you are doing in and through our lives, in and through this church. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.